Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ondo. There's a key idea which really struck me from today's conversation with Kirsten Delholm, which I haven't really been able to shake since we taped it. I haven't been able to fully think it through, but the basic concept has to do with truth in artistic representation and the raw materials you use as vehicles for your ideas. But perhaps it'd be easier for me to explain if I introduce you to Kirsten first. She's the founder and artistic director for a performance group called Hotel Proforma, who have been staging extravagant and spectacular performances for 30 years here in Denmark and abroad. As you'll hear in our talk, it isn't exactly theater, but it borrows many tools and vestments from theater. And this is the idea that struck me. Why make art about people in materials which are not people? Do you get me? There's so many sculptures, photographs, drawings, paintings of people. There's a novel idea in just going straight to the source. And I think Kirsten nailed this. Just use people. If you want to talk about people, use people. It doesn't have to be theater. It can be visual art. And performance art is usually so occupied with the self, it often forgets people on the whole, people as a group. Well, Kirsten didn't. And the results are pretty amazing. I'll leave her the rest to explain, but before I go, I will say this. Visual artists, if you are here in Copenhagen before the 29th of November... Go see the Hotel Performa show at Gamelstan. It is different. The starting point it comes from is different, and it will bake your noodle. And if you're anything like me, it'll fill you with enough ideas to last a lifetime. I cannot stress this enough. But in the meantime, Kirsten Delholm, take it away. imagine that you were interested in theater at a young age and then started getting involved with it but where did you make the switch to hotel performa where did you well, make I that jump well i was jump? not interested in theater at a young age even better at all not at all i hated theater i always say were you I forced to go and you didn't like it no i wasn't forced to go no i saw a bit when i was young i didn't live in copenhagen i lived in the province mm. in the middle of denmark um I saw a few uh, performances in in the real theater, and yes, it was interesting, but I wasn't especially engaged at all. And when I was, I mean, in my 20s, I I really, in the 30s and 40s, even 50s, I, I used to say I hate theater. And I go to very few theater performances. Um, but what I really like is the Red Curtain, Mm. And here you have all the expectations, right? But often I I, I leave this, the the piece in um, in the break or even before. Well, that is because when you say theater, then you think of something, you know, with a lot of text and and characters and psychological narratives and and all that, and that I was not interested in for many 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 years. Mm. But um, it's true uh, that you get a very clear idea about what theater is when you say, "Oh, I went to a theater show to somebody." They think of a small theater. They think of rows of seats. They think of a stage of about a certain dimension and ratio, a little bit wider than it is deep, you know, and people prancing in and out of from behind, and you know, exactly, yeah. And often that is the kind of theater I really don't care about. Not even today, not at all. Yeah, because here. They often they don't leave for me a space, well, for myself to inter- interpret, to make interpretations, or to 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 imagine something because everything is too uh, given already from the stage. Mm. But um, when I was when I started, I started before Hotel Performer. I started in seventy seven with um, a, 
and say, uh, my name was theater, in English it would be theater of image material. In Danish it is billedstoftheater. Theater made of, of image material. And that's an that's an education, or what is that no, no, exactly? No, no, that was my group. You can say. Oh, okay. Okay. That was my, my my you can say my company, or uh, okay. I didn't have a company, but that was the name for what I did. Okay. And that was from seventy seven to eighty five, and we were two directors, and with a lot of other people around us. But how did you get involved in something you didn't really enjoy? But I, I what I made was not theater in that sense with the rows and, and the stage as you just talked about. Not at all. We have completely avoided for almost 20 years, I avoided the stage. Mm. I was very much in museums. So with the theater of image material, we made uh, huge performances in museums. Okay. And other non-theater buildings or sites. I was very much, I made many performances in the Kliptothek Museum. Uh, several of them with many, many performers, like 120 performers. Mm. An audience was walking around, like in an exhibition, mm -hmm. looking at the, the, the figurants, I call them. And these performances got very famous. The figurants are the actors, the performers. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, because they're not acting at all. They're just being. They're participants. Yeah, yeah, but I call them figurants mm. because they are like figures. Mm. Uh, so they mingled with, they had certain things to do in the museum and and they were not, no words, not speaking. So they were visual, visual characters, you can mm -hmm. call them. And audience walk, walking around in all the spaces. And they were very popular, this kind of performance. So also I was in other places, not only, not only museums, but all, uh, like this, the public bus in Österbol. Um But um, it was really like, like, like stage images. Moving yeah. images in a space. Yeah. And nothing to do with normal, normal theater. But, um, so after nine years with 28 productions, I started Hotel Performer. And here, in, I didn't want the word theater in my name. So that is why it's Hotel Performer. And I continued since 85. That means we are now. Mm. 30 years old. Mm. I'm really interested though in the in the in the point in which you decided to work in this medium you also kind of invented uh as a person who was not particularly interested in theater you were obviously interested in people and space and people as as part of a performative event. Were you always interested in that part? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I was. <clears throat> and you just looked at theater and said, this is not the way to do this. This is not what's interesting well, I didn't, to me. Well, I didn't even look at theater. I mean, it was just not interesting for me, yeah. the, 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 the normal theater. It was, so I didn't even care about it. I mean, they did what they had to do. I did what I had to do. It never figured. And so there was no fight you right. can say it's just interesting because like for instance if i'm reading this newspaper the word theater comes up often in yeah. the discussion about what you do so yeah. it seems unavoidable in a sense even if you weren't interested you still get pushed in that direction yeah you're right yeah it's interesting they they say theater because actually we don't call ourselves a theater we, we what we do is performance art right and we we do big productions. Mm. But you can play with it. Now I can better play with the word of theater. Right. Also because I have, ch mm, I have done performances with actors and with a narrative. But then I, I do it in a very visual or, and or auditive way. Mm. And always the this, this space is... A, is an important co-player. Yeah. So, of course, I'm also changing my 
or I would say developing what I'm doing, and they do very many different things. Were you interested in museums and art and two? Dim- yeah, I don't want to say two dimensional, but whatever we imagine when we talk about museums and and art, fine arts on that level. Well, I just love museums. Hmm. They're like, Why? They're like art temples, you can say. Yeah. Um, so that seemed like a much more interesting context to work in. Yeah, it's a, it's a space, a place where you can walk around by yourself. As in theaters, also few people are there, or often few people, often you may be alone Yeah, in the museum. And you can stay as long as or as short as you want. And it's a, I would say it's a space for contemplation. Now, I mean, it was. Because nowadays, also, all museums have to follow the trend. That means more people, more people, events, events, um, this and that. And audience so, development. So, so, audience development. So the, the space for contemplation is actually hard to find today yeah yeah that's true that's the downside of the new requirements which say that an audience you know that a museum is only worth the visitor numbers exactly that it has to be relevant to a greater public that's right which is a tricky yeah very tricky (laughs) it's a slippery slope because it's also art is supposed to be a uh, a room for experimentation and uh, yeah still it is Sure, but it's a dangerous uh, combination to try to do both yeah, of those. Yeah, I think those. so. But um, they all, they also use them, have so many cuts, uh, budget-wise, and, and, and they have to be visible. We all have, we all are fighting for the, um, we are all part of the competition to get audience. Right. That's true. Right. So, yeah. A slice of the pie. How did this show happen? How did this become? I just read that you didn't normally celebrate uh, birthdays for yeah, hotel performers. Yeah, I just, uh, for t- actually tw- 30 years now, I've just been going on and on and on uh, with our productions. We did like 40 big productions and several minor ones uh, during these years. So I've just been very busy producing and creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I thought, Okay, uh, this year I am 70 years old and the hotel performer is 30 years old, so let's celebrate. And uh, I, I wish to, to show to the audience how many aspects, how many different kinds of things we've been doing during the years. I mean, just show a little bit of it. Uh, give them a taste of it by making an exhibition and not making one performance. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're here in Gammelstrand. So do you think it's different than the usual kind of... I mean, is is this a unique exhibition for you guys? It is uh, absolutely a new, unique yeah. exhibition, yes. Because uh, you have to to stage it very differently than from a performance. Uh, in an exhibition, people come and go as they wish, stay short a long time, and they get very close to every to to the works. Mm. So the finishing has to be very well made, and the works will be seen in another context. So all that I was um, conscious about. I didn't want also. I didn't want to make just a, a retrospective. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it sounds actually very uh, well, right. not so not, not so engaging. <laughs> uh, so we don't say anything about that. It's retrospective. Yeah. Actually, the exhibition is not only retrospective. Um, there are many new works as well, mm. together with fragments of uh, the older productions. Mm. And the way the, the, these fragments meet each other that also give new meetings and new contexts. And everything is made site-specific for the space of Gammelstrand. Mm. What about the role of collaboration? Because I was looking, there's over 150 people 
uh, involved with just this exhibition, is that right? Yeah, just this exhibition. Because uh, you expect some live, something live, when you think of Hoche Performer. Okay. Hoche Performer is known for its performances and not for exhibitions, even though we have made like three or four exhibitions mm. before. Mm. But the performances are well known, so of course you do expect something live to happen. And I didn't really want, can we say, real performance. Now there are performances everywhere. Uh, but I decided to focus on the text that have been written to our productions through all the years by the best Danish and, and uh, foreign writers and uh, poets. Mm. Because we really have fantastic text. So I thought it would be a good idea to have them read aloud, uh, read by living people, not just uh, printed on paper. So there is a constant, non-stop reading performance with people who have written the text or people who have played the, the text and people who have young people who have never been in a performance, hotel performer performance before. Mm. Uh, young people from uh, some uh, theater and film schools. Mm. So it is non-stop 128 hours long. That's a lot. And, and it really gives something that you, you know, it always does when you have a, a living um, human being in front of you. Of course, it's different than If you don't have it, it gives another attention, another energy. People can come uh, several times, and every time it's different. Right, and that also means you can't control it to the 100%. That's right. I cannot, because I don't have time to direct them. I only, I only showed them, the, the new ones especially, how to read and, and, uh, and talk, which is in my theater, rather slow, mm -hmm. and not too much acting. Not at all. Be yourself. Yeah, yeah. Just let the, the, let the, let the words talk, because they are so wonderful, these yeah. words. I found it really interesting. You, you touched on it right before, about how there's so much performance. And of course, that makes me think about performance art, with a capital P, that, that us in the uh, fine art, world are more used to which is often one person two people maybe uh it's very much about the self it's very personal mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's enactment of uh, personal artistic vision etc etc but clearly you are not in uh, as of from what i know you're not interested in that kind of performance the role of self you know you are the organizer of all this but You seem just as willing to not be the center of the stage of the of the viewer's gaze, uh, whereas most traditional performance artists are. Uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, do you think you do you think you're related to them or not related to them? Well, I'm not really related to them, um, because what I choose to show is more, can we say, universal. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's more, it's, well, I'm a very curious person and I'm interested in so many things. I'm interested in the world. I call my performances investigations of the world and that is on all levels. And I just want to show many different things, always, but always involving human beings because we cannot avoid that. We are human beings mm. and we are part of the world. But uh, I like to, to point at something outside of ourselves, but we need somebody to do it. We need it. You can say a medium, which is then a human being. And, and I like the, the, say the, I like what it does to you when you say, see, see and hear a child reading some, a grown-up text. Or um, a, a grown-up 
person reading a text in her or his way and then another one coming and, and he or she does it in, 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 in her way or in his way. I mean, of course, the performance is influenced by who is doing it, but still there is a message. I wouldn't say message really. Well, not a, in a normal... Well, kind of content. There's a content to give um, to the audience. And always necessary to leave enough space for the viewer, the listener, that he or she can imagine his own thoughts, his own, he has his own reflections and associations. If I am a viewer myself, I want very much space for myself to, 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 to think and sense what it means. And this is, of course, what I, I don't like so much about theatre, and it's different with performance art made by visual artists, It's another genre, I would say. I agree. I agree. Do you ever perform yourself? I did, a lot. No more? No, I stopped at some time. I stopped because I wanted to control. And you cannot control what's happening. I think that's what I'm going for, is that, is that the big difference between a performance artist and you is that you are building something and then setting it loose upon the world. Whereas a performance artist is acting something out, mm. you know, or performing something or, you know, however you want to define it. And that jumps into a different boundary. Yeah. It makes me think also that perhaps the thing you never liked about the theater was the so-called fourth wall. Yeah. You know, that whole yeah. audience yeah. Uh, performance separation. And then eventually people started, you know, breaking it down. But it seems mm. like you never even contemplated working with that separation between audience and performance. Well, I do also, because I have made huge performances on the big, for the big stage. Mm. And there you do have a seated audience in the big theater, like an opera theater. Mm. And what they see and, send and, and, and hear on the stage, it is presented as... Again, as an image with music, sounds, but but there is a separation between the stage, a very clear separation between the stage and the audience. But this is one one way of of doing it. But I'm very conscious about where I am. So if I am in theater, I don't want to make theater. I want to make visual art with sound and music. Mm. And make it very clear that you look into a picture, um, which is which I could not create if I did not have the frame of the stage. Right. the uh, The building is there. Yeah, and the frame. It's yeah. a frame. Yeah, I put a, a picture into the frame of the theater hmm. stage. But other performances do not have that and are are conceived differently. Have another, have another concept like uh, a performance um, where I have the figurants, the participants are like figurants walking around, standing or doing their things and audience mingle with them. Mm. I wouldn't call it interactive, but audience is walking around like in an exhibition. Yeah. Speaking of putting a picture in the and, frame. And I'll just say that... that um, these two different kinds of, of performances, they also claim, demand different things from me, that uh, the, 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 the performance in the piece in the, on the stage, on the big stage, they need, I, uh, need very much precision, extremely much precision, in order to be kind of metaphysic. Mm. And... I'm there always when we travel. I'm always traveling with the performances. I'm there to give notes to the performers so that each performance is as precise as it was conceived and created. As true to the vision as yeah, possible. Yeah. Whereas a performance in a, in a space like here in Nikolai, for instance, um, where, <clears throat> where, the, where the performers were 
50 performers mm. were taking up the various spaces and doing different things and the audience was walking around for three hours. There I do... Um, uh, I know that accidental things will happen. I don't have control. I cannot control and, want, and I don't want either. So I let, I let space for the uncontrollable, for the accident. That means uh, the accidental meetings with the viewer and the performer. Mm. And so it's just completely different kinds of concepts. But still, it's not... It's not really what uh, close to the performance art made by visual artists. Right. But it's starting to look more like visual art to me. You even mentioned putting the picture in the frame. Yeah. Do you see it more in that sense? Yeah, I do, absolutely. Uh, I, I see myself as a visual artist. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. I was never trained in theater at all. I was trained in sculpture. Okay. Uh, okay, so that's really where it started was was building of objects in a way. Yeah, I was I was actually trained as a as a textile artist. So I worked with textile materials for a long time, um, making big sculptures with textile materials. This makes but sense. This is like a century ago. It's like <laughs> <laughs> right, and so performance or or, or, or uh, theatrical or uh, I'm. A, you know, I'm missing the words to talk about it, but, but these sort of exhibitions do require, you know, they resemble sculptures. They're living sculptures yeah, in a right. lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And so that makes sense as a context. I mean, I'm so terribly um, old school in that I always want to contextualize everything. I, I really want to. I think most people do, actually. I guess it's natural, right? You know, yes. and it's okay to exist in these in these in between lands, but you just want something to grab onto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To contextualize it, and there's really no need for that, right? I mean, but it's natural. No, it's natural. People ask, "What does it mean?" and and uh, they want, yeah. It's natural. We yeah. are, uh, we are looking for the sense. What right. does it mean? But but uh, I usually say to my, if I work with actors, um, we don't start with psychology. Uh, we start with rules, formal rules, rules about form and content, uh, because psychology is there anyway. You cannot avoid it. We cannot avoid it. We are psychological creatures. So, but don't start with it. Right. You're beating the horse to death if you just keep talking yeah. about that. Yeah. And that is interesting. If you have a very, uh, if you then uh, create your piece from sharp rules, uh, then it happens that this is that that the piece becomes even more psychological. Right, because it just gets obvious. It it's kind of it gets um, well. It just gets more um, obvious for the audience. Well, we're such a psychological society too. Everything is always talked about in terms of <laughs> what it means and what it felt like. And you know, just watch advertising. Yeah. It's the most psychological thing. They're just yeah. trying to manipulate our our poor little monkey brains. But then I ask, what does it mean to? Just to see a sunset. It doesn't mean anything, and it means everything, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right, and that starts creating that breaks down these these uh, classifications, anyways. Yeah, you know, and then you're just back where you started. Yeah, I'm interested in science. Yeah, I'm really uh, in science. You, well, you work sh- surely with rules and intuition, and but. Uh, Maybe you don't work so much with what does it mean? Yeah. I was reading recently a really interesting book about how the physicists, the world's, or or sorry, the Western world's top physicists in the uh, 60s and 70s loved taking acid and they loved taking mushrooms and stuff because they were really trying to figure out like how much of this is personal psychology and how much of this is just straight scientific method yeah. and how much is chemistry yeah, yeah. how much is chemistry our, and how much is my own yeah. predisposition to think yeah. this is true or not yeah. true yeah. and that's one of those areas where i think the difference between uh life art and science start to break down 
That's right. And I don't know. I, I hope there are still some scientists out there taking psychedelic drugs because I hope it. You know, I would think it would help you uh, think about a bigger picture with what yeah. you do in your work. If you can get hold of it. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of uh, whether it is science or yeah or psychology or. Do you, do you think? Do you think? The, do you think the society is getting more restricted? I wonder about that, and I was going to actually talk to you a little bit about your 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 so-called dream imagery. I think we're becoming—I don't know about restricted, but I think we're becoming very much more literal. Everything is so literally true or untrue. This is a fact. This is not a fact. This is a fact, and I think there's a lot less space for multiple truths yeah. and conflicting yeah. truths. Yeah. Uh, everything seems so categorized. Is that capitalism? It might be. I think in a way it's a survival instinct because if we take in too much information uh, or too many truths, it becomes hard to operate in a world in which we have to make decisions every mm. every second of our life. Mm. Uh, I've been thinking, thinking a lot about magic lately. And uh, I heard another podcaster speak recently about true Truth that is truer than literal truth. He was talking about the mm. Bible, how the Bible is not literal truth whatsoever, mm. Mm. but there are truths in it which are mm. truer than anything that can be written. Yeah, and and that really struck me as something that we don't have a lot of now. We don't have a lot of this sort of well, it's this way and that way at the same time. The Latin American yeah. idea of dualism, you know. Yeah. There's I, I think more that's what we're missing. And I see that in your work, this kind of more more dreamy, visual based truth untruth at yeah. the same time. There's a lot of duality. What about you? Do you think uh do you think we're becoming that way? Yeah, I think we're getting becoming more restricted. Our society has become more restricted, I think so. What's your examples in, 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 of that? Well it's just um I never it's funny I never I don't think much about capitalism because I'm not very political. But it's funny that I, I, I think this is the first time ever I, I said that. But I was just thinking, maybe it is the, the, the effect of capitalism that everything has to be counted and, uh, and, and seen as numbers. I mean, the computerization, digitalization of everything is binary. Zero yeah, or yeah, one. Yeah. Yes, no. Is, yeah. isn't. But on the other hand, when you, when you say that, mm-hmm. I also do believe that, or sense, that, that the, the, the enormous, um, the computer, the, the, the whole digital world has also freed um, us from some parts of the capitalism. So it's duality, there is a duality actually. Exactly, and that's more maybe what we and, need to and, embrace. And, and, and I think because of the digital world, uh, many more people are able to contact each other who never could do that before. And the networking is enormous. What we're doing right now would not exist exactly. without yeah, yeah. internet culture and uh, yeah. digital world. And that is a positive thing. That that um, because they ha- many people ha- act against capitalism through networking, through uh, inventing new uh, ways of organizing. Yeah, and especially now, now, like I mean, I just read about the, the young Spanish people who don't have work, who cannot find work. They find them find each other, mm-hmm. trying to do, of course, new to organize new. Uh, can we say, well, new ways of acting out. Community. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think maybe that's where the frontier, we've given up in the public space Yeah, that's right. that some of the yeah. freedoms, or at least we've become used to having less of them, yeah. but we have moved the fight over to our online world. Because, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the certain robber barons and powers that be do want the internet to be more streamlined and more yes, no, restrictive, capitalistic. Uh, and that's where we're fighting now. 
for these freedoms and the chaos really you know because yeah. if you talk about the internet you also have to accept if it's so wild west then you also have to accept the bad side yeah you know and there's a lot of really evil shit that goes on there too of course yeah but there's a lot of things you cannot control because of the internet i mean the the way uh, the whole communication uh is running it can be so surprising mm-hmm. and things are um, the way we communicate with each other is something that that is completely um uncontrollable for somebody like me mm. and uh, like all of us mm. which is a good thing well of course good and bad but right. I, i see it very positive yeah i'm not, i'm not i'm not trying to be uh You know, bitter and how the, it was better before in the old <laughs> days. Something not at all because there, there you had other problems. Of yeah. course. there you had a much at least in Denmark you had a much stronger class uh, society mm-hmm. with the rich and the poor. Uh, we don't have that in Denmark. Other countries, yes, surely, but but not not really in Denmark. Here it's bad to be rich. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> They are often yeah. disrespected. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Although that's changing. There is a, a, a Americanization of, of standards and dreams, mm. I would say. But here we get a new poor class, which, of course, are the, the refugees. Yeah. Immigration. Yeah. Yeah. And they are not treated very nicely at all. That's oh, true. That's so terrible. So terrible. No, no. <gasps> But do you see any of this re- reflected in your work? Do you see all of this reflected in your work? Mm, not that side, I think so. That's more of a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, what about the visual aspect? Because it is so dreamy and so... I'm such a visual person, so I, you know, I, I was so struck by all the images. I've never seen a performance of you, of your you guys but i've seen quite a few images of it and it's so rich and beautiful mm. and so inviting i want to walk into it mm. and i want to touch it and i want to mm. you know i it just immediately draws me in and that's some of my favorite kind of art i mean i'm i'm a personally just a flat two-dimensional mm-hmm. uh artist myself but but yeah i just wanted to walk into it and I'm, and you know What do you feel about this, about the strong preference you guys have to working visually? Well, this is the way I work. It just this goes is the way I see and, and sense. Mm. Uh, so this is my language. And it's always creating a collaboration with other visual artists and video designers and light designer, especially one light designer. Mm-hmm. I collaborate a lot with um, other artists and designers, and um, but in the end I'm the one to choose. But it's just the way I see things. And somehow it becomes very beautiful. Not that I, I'm sometimes trying to make now, now I'm trying to make something ugly. It's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Just to But mess something up, make it not Because beauty perfect. is for me enigmatic. Sure. It's a true enigma. And um, I suppose you just have a sense of, of what is beautiful and what, what is scaled in the right way. And not that it's classical scaled, because I like when uh, when there crashes between low and high art, but between something very fine art and something very daily. So the context, the, the meetings are often you see that very much in hotel performer productions, and you see you will see it here also in the exhibition. The clash. Yeah, you'll see um, objects like. From everyday life, together with some with with uh, with other elements, mm. because I, we, we are it all belongs to the world to this very enigmatic, beautiful, classical 
kind of things and uh, our um, just normal daily cups and saucer and and hairdryer and whatever. Right. Well, I mean, I find it, of course, very engaging as a visual artist. But, I mean, obviously, you, since you think in that sense, this is probably... It's a dumb question, which I think might lead to a good answer. Why not just be a photographer or a sculptor or something that's uh, more just simply visual-based? Why involve people? Why involve audience on that level? Yeah, it's a good question. That might be easier. And, and, <laughs> it and, might, and, might, yeah. be, and might be less expensive. <laughs> yeah. It could be. Yeah. I'm just uh, fascinated by people. Yeah. I, I truly am. I... I I s- often said to myself, now I should do something without people. And then it happens, there will be at least one person. They show up. Yeah. In my, in my picture. Yeah. I suppose, um, I, th- I think we all are, as humans be- human beings, we all are interested in, hum- in human beings. I remember... Uh, the photographer Mas Gamtrop, mm-hmm. uh, he he said he now he didn't want to have any humans in his in his photography because then you only look at that and it's true. I remember one of his uh, landscape pictures, photos, huge photo from from the mountains uh, covered with snow. There was one tiny, tiny little man standing somewhere in the middle, or not middle, but somewhere in this picture. And the first thing I look at him is this man. I cannot help it. We do that. Mm. We are just bloody interested in in, in each other if we are not too much interested in ourselves. (laughs) Well, we see ourselves in others, I imagine, too. Yeah, we do. We we, we mirror ourselves, we reflect ourselves and... And communication is, is, can be very wonderful um, and very difficult also. So, so what, what, uh, just, you know, as Warhol did, he, I mean, he just uh, placed uh, some people along the wall and say, please look at them. And they were just standing there. And, and it's wonderful to, to, to give the possibility just to look at human beings. Mm. And imagine how and what they are and what so on. They all, everyone has something uh, to give. I just had, an, <clears throat> just now, this week, two days ago, I was in Stockholm where I, I'm going to, to stage, to restage a performance we did called Cosmos. It has two kids in the performance and a lot of, and some adults. And we had audition. With, with the, for, to find the right boy and girl. And you know how audition is. They, well, we do it, uh, we did it single by single. So every time the door opened, you're curious who is coming in? What will he do? What, what, uh, how, what does he look like? Or what, is, what does he um, uh, radiate? Yeah. And every, it was so interesting, even though we had many, many. We had nine girl, nine boys and 13 girls the first day. And the second day, we had another eight girls. More of the girls like to go to do these kind of things. And even though it was a, a lot, a lot, a lot, it was, it was just so interesting. And, and you have to... And, and, and there, it's, it's also difficult because you have to judge, and they all come with expectations, and and then nervous and the pressure. And yes, pressure, and then you. But they all come with their own personality, and that is what we what what we are. We are a lot of individual personalities, yeah. and we 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 have so much content. Yeah, it just seems like such a such a. A genius move in a way because so many people, so many artists make art about people, but they only think about themselves really. And instead, you just brought people in to make the art, to involve, you know, to bring all the chaos and the, and the radiation, like you just mentioned, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Just bring the people in. You don't have to make a painting about them or. I mean, obviously, your own medium is your own medium, but it just seems like, in retrospect, it's so easy, right? You just bring them in and see what happens. 
Yeah. I bring them into the picture. They are part of the picture. And they are staged. Uh, they have to do certain things, act in a certain way, in order to be part of the picture, to be part of the content. Mm. But they are themselves, like you said earlier. They're never, they're never you. That's right. They're themselves, but they're also somebody else. They are part of uh, the performance. They're not um, playing themselves. Or mm. They're not... Um, <laughs> I, I, I said to one actor, um, don't act. Kind of be yourself. Oh, that's impossible. I'm always <laughs> acting. Of course he is. When he is on a stage, sure. you are acting. That's all he's been even trained though, to do. Even though, uh, um, uh, if you go, if you go into, um, if you're part of performance, it's not a natural way. It's an artificial way, and you have to act as like that. You have to put it on as a coat, and and be part of this artificiality which I love. He taught me something, this actor. He's a very good actor. But when I say don't act, of course I mean don't overact. Because then I don't believe. Right, well, I mean, if I do something where all of a sudden 30 people are watching me, I am no longer myself. Of course you're not. I'm myself being watched by 30 people. That's right. Which is such a strange thing that happens to us. Yeah, of course. Especially yeah. since we love to watch other people. Yeah, we're not. We're different now because we're sitting opposite each other than if if we are alone in, in our own space. Of course, mm. not that we're acting, but we are trying to communicate. Right. Well, there's such social contract too. Like we yeah. agree that this is yeah. how conversations yeah. go. And it's also interesting uh, when you uh, when you are uh, when you meet somebody and and there's this absolutely clear distance between you when you're standing if you're not lovers then you have a certain distance and so you can measure it complete on centimeter mm -hmm. how far or how close you will be we too we're a little bit far because we have a table between us but if we were standing opposite each other we would know that this is exactly the distance between us we should have in order to communicate in order not to be um, uh, enemies Or, or being um, too far from each other. Mm -hmm. We know that. And it changes from culture to culture. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, it does. Uh, yeah. I, I hear that about people who go to China, is that yeah. everyone stands uncomfortably close yeah. to what we're used to. Yeah, that's what I heard also in, also in Africa, they were closer. <laughs> Which is hilarious, yeah. because yeah. just that simple 20 centimeters exactly. difference exactly. means... Oh my God, I'm on high alert. I'm uncomfortable. What's going on? Yeah, Or, yeah. hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which just shows what psychological beings we are again, like you yeah. pointed to earlier. Yesterday in the conference, uh, it ended by a small conversation between two other people and me. And uh, it can be a little bit boring, these kind of conversations. But I brought five chairs, different heights, a very small, low chair, a very high chair, and, and uh, another high chair and two normal ones. And during this, our little conversation, I asked uh, them to, to change chairs. And of course, you speak differently from a small chair right. to somebody sitting up on a high chair. Right. It was just fun. We did it for fun. But it... it It gives a lot of, of psychology. Right, it's the difference between being a child and, a, and an adult, right? You're sitting in the small chair looking up. You're looking yeah. at mommy and daddy in yeah. some weird part of your brain, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the good news is there's enough to work with for this lifetime and many others. That's right. <laughs> you know, there's, there's right. plenty to grab onto. Yeah. But I'm curious, you mentioned earlier we had the, uh, you, you were talking about Is life more restrictive now? Are we more limited? Do you see that in the art world too? No, not at all. No, in the art world it's very um, varied with lots of variations and, and, and it's very transdisciplinary. It's opening up, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I see, I mean, art, visual art is my inspiration. Film, architecture and visual art mm. is still my inspiration. Mm. 
I see very little theater actually. Yeah. I see more than before, but not very much. Not as much. I really am very up uh, updated on visual art, mm-hmm. film, and architecture. Mm-hmm. And and I I think it's it's wonderful how the visual artists they're using all kinds of media and, uh, and materials and uh, um, performative elements and. No, I think it's it's very rich. I'm very happy now that there seems to be different levels building now in the art world too. That there isn't just the top, the blue chip artists, the mm. the the Jeff Koons and the uh, you know Warhols, and uh, there isn't just that level. There are oh, now no. you can now exist on many different levels as a yeah. creative person, and yeah. I think that opens it up a lot too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, you know, you don't have to, you know, because certain levels have certain other things involved. Yeah. Networking, for example, that whole game. Who knows who, yeah. you know, that yeah. whole world. You don't necessarily have to play that game anymore. And I feel like maybe once you did, if you wanted to work as a creative person. Yeah, I think it has to do with, again, with the with a networking and the... the um, we are people. Yeah. It does come back to that always, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But that's good to hear is that is that maybe the art world is opening up and there is Oh yeah, I think so. Very much so. Also more collaboration between fields which weren't traditionally associated with art. Yeah. Anthropology. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh science. Yeah. Which is great. We need more people from yeah. more backgrounds working in Absolutely. On different levels. Yeah. Uh, uh, and a physicist from an uh, astrophysicist he came to me with with these um, amazing fantastic pictures from the universe from cosmos it's some years ago and that actually made me finally made this performance called cosmos and he he was so longing for working not as an artist himself but to w- collaborating with artists because he was so enthusiastic about what what he knew and what he sees and what he knows about the, the universe right. he wanted to share Right. So we made this uh, performance called Cosmos, even for, for, for children and adults. Yeah. And it was a very big success because we're not trying to talk down. We don't, we don't you cannot make quantum physics easy. <laughs> not so, for me, at least. <laughs> no, no. So we, the text is what it is, and it, uh, it is as difficult for children as for the adults. Right. But then it had. Um, a good lot of fantastic uh, images. Right. And so you can communicate it with your own yeah. visual uh, language yeah. in a way that yeah. he probably couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have... Um, did you learn anything from this exhibition? From doing it differently this time around? Yeah. I know it's I'm early. Just, you uh, just opened yeah, a week ago. This, yeah, I did. I opened a week ago. I'm, I'm still learning it. I'm still learning to, or getting acquainted with it, I would say. Um, and I, what's, what I, I really tried to, to, to make installations, fragments from performances as installations that can, that keep, as visual art installation. So that was my... How do I say that? Uh, that was my assignment. Mm. To, to, um, it's, uh, to find the fragments and the objects and to install them so that they also become visual art objects, which is different than scenography. It has to last. Yeah. It's not just a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. Scenography is not art. But maybe some part of my scenography is art. And that is what I was, what I'm learning. What you were digging up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the final question is the worst one, as always. (laughs) What is art for? For you. It's obviously a personal question. To make a difference. To see and sense the world in 
not rational ways. To go away from this literal world we live in. That's right. To bring the dreams back. Well, I'm very careful to use the word dreams. And I don't use the word vision either. Hmm. But um, the art is to, to expand your, your, uh, the personal universe and the human universe. I think a world without art would be very poor. I wouldn't want to live in that world. I don't think it can exist. No, I, I believe not. We may, it may not fundamentally be possible. No, you're right. I think you're right. I think it's, um, it's like breathing for human beings. Yeah. The human universe. That's perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music was kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by David Hyde. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our performance troupe of a website, undergang.net. This show is produced in part with the kind support of the Danish Arts Council. Thank you for joining us. It's been two years now. Ever onwards, ever upwards. Thank you.